What's up, guys, and welcome back to Paint Bravely, the podcast. Podcast where you can find a little bit of encouragement, discover ways to make your hobby more fun, and most importantly, learn to paint bravely. Now, this week we're going to go a little bit different. We're going to start off with a few things that we've done in the last couple of weeks, whether we can think of something or not and how depressing that actually is. And then we're going to go over a few different questions from, you know, our YouTube account and kind of, you know, we don't answer as often as we probably should. So we want to kind of roll into that. Well, so, that's what the podcast is for. Yeah, right. Exactly. We get to talk. Yeah. 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 I'm not, I'm not a typist. I'm not, I'm not good at that. So we're just going to talk. Nah, that's what the podcast is for. <laughs> Anyways, so what have you been up to in the last few weeks, Brent? Have you come up with anything better than Black Poster Board? I still maintain that was a good two-week achievement, figuring mm -hmm. out I needed a black background for my filming. I thought that was pretty big. Um, but again, today we were about to record, had to think, what have I done in the last few weeks? What have I painted? What have I, you know, what innovations have I made? And... This was one of the weeks where I was coming up against that that big wall of, oh man, what have I done in the last two weeks? And the answer is I've been researching paint pigments. Pigments. So, yeah, the pigments, the, the colored powders that get mixed into paint medium to make paint. Okay, yeah. And, you know, so nominally this is for, for a YouTube video, um hobby science what are paint pigments and how are they colored and how do paints work and paint smarter and still working on a title for it but that's the <laughs> that's the basic idea here and so most of the vallejo paint and army painter and gw paints don't tell you what colored pigments are in them whereas Art supply stores or like nice artist paints, you look at the side of the tube and it says right on there, you know, titanium white PW6. It tells you exactly what the color of the paint is. It's not skull white or brain matter beige or anything like that. It's yeah. you are painting with titanium white. It's titanium oxide and it's white pigment number six. And, you know, you can go and look that up and figure out exactly what that is, what its properties are all the historical uses of this pigment and find out everything you want to know. And for me, that's, that's the sort of thing that gets me really interested. And it absolutely is a massive hole that you can just walk right into. Um, yeah. So, you know, having a YouTube channel, I, I like to think that it would be nice to post a video every week like you do, Casey, but sometimes <laughs> I just get super distracted and sidetracked. So yeah, what I've been doing for the past couple of weeks is I've been like looking at all my bottles of paint and writing down pigment numbers and looking them up and drawing out their structures. Um, I was able to hack a copy of ChemDraw, which is kind of like hacking a copy of Adobe Suite or hacking okay. a copy of Microsoft Office, like getting yourself some software that costs a stupid amount of money right <laughs> but for me that was chem draw and that's the ability to draw like little hexagons and bonds and electrons and stuff so that costs as much as like a chem draw i mean it is it is very simple software but it costs yeah it, it's one of those like specialty softwares that costs a lot and adobe suite like is a nice suite uh, mm -hmm. I, I get that um ChemDraw is not a particularly fancy <laughs> program. It just allows you to make like 
pretty nice drawings of chemical bonds and right. structures and you know gets the <laughs> angles right chemists and stuff. for chemists <laughs> right and it's one of those things that you know they give it a new number every year every mm-hmm. year it gets a new edition or whatever and it's exactly the same which is good because <laughs> i know how to use the right. old version but and, and luckily I, you know i was able to you know, use a code from like five years ago when I had uh, legit access and it and it just booted right up. I'm like, yes. Nice. <laughs> they haven't uh, even changed their old codes. They're just like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how many people they actually need to employ to keep right. this going, but <laughs> it can't be a lot. It's one guy in the basement. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not updating it too regularly. Yeah, it's one guy yeah. in a basement. Absolutely. <laughs> He's yeah. like, this is worth it. I spent spent a lot of time on this program <laughs> i'm sure they're still re you know raking in the money but probably um yeah if you're out there a guy in the basement updating ChemDraw software uh it was me i'm sorry <laughs> you you have a great program and <laughs> uh, listeners if you're interested in chemistry <laughs> go out go out there and buy ChemDraw and don't do what i did mm. anyway i've been spending my time drawing up pigment molecules and trying to figure out you know what is actually in our paints so the supply that I have is the inks, the Liquitex and Dollar Rowney inks. Those are supplies that I actually use to paint my models. You know, mostly yeah. I'm using Vallejo or GW or Army Painter, but the inks that I love to put through the airbrush, those actually tell you that this is, you know, PB15, phthalo blue, mm-hmm. blue 15 pigment. And you can go and look that up and see the structure and be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And so I went through my entire stack of those, wrote down all the pigments, and just trying to get a, an idea of, you know, how many different pigments are actually in a line of paints, how many of them are used in, like, half of the different colors, mm-hmm. um, how many of them show up only once. And it was actually really interesting. And like I said, I just just got distracted and went down this rabbit hole. And it'll be a video eventually. But um, yeah, there, there's a few little interesting tidbits in there. Like orange was the only secondary color where they used the two primaries, yellow and red, to get orange. Oh, really? Everything so like else the, was like the orange natural. ink. Yeah, yeah. So flame orange was a yellow and a red, but... You know, the purple was a purple or a violet pigment. Mm-hmm. The greens were a green pigment. Uh, turquoise, they actually used, it was a blue and a yellow, where you might think it would be a blue and a green to make turquoise, right. but it was a blue and a yellow, which which also makes sense. Mm. But kind of just going through, and, I, and I'm sure anyone coming from like an artist background has a, a knowledge of how to mix up paints from pigments, right, yeah. and so they already know some of the key ones. But for, for us who come at it, not necessarily as an artist or not necessarily as a chemist, but as like a gamer, somebody who is painting yeah. Space Marines, it's it's kind of interesting to to trace this back to actual art supplies and understand. I mean, there's, you know, there's both science here, but there's also, you know, technology and history and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. well, that should be pretty interesting. Um I'm curious, did you do any testing between, like, say, the Liquitex titanium white and the De La Rowney white, which I don't think is actually called titanium white, but it's supposed to be? 
the, they both use the same white pigment. So like some of the things I figured okay. out is any anytime there's any white in any of these, it's it's titanium white. It's PW6 right. for all of these. That like anytime there's black in any of these, it's PBK7, black 7, carbon black, you know, soot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's, so there's some that show up all the time. Like it's always that black. It's always that white. Um, phthalo blue, which is one of you know Bob Ross's blues. You know, <laughs> he'd go through, family. he'd have his phthalo <laughs> blue. Yeah, yeah. And so you, you get to remember some of those names. And I can't remember sap green. I think that might be a pure pigment, but I think it also might be a combination of two other pigments. Mm-hmm. He had his he had his palette, and yeah. we My all eventually got the, to know uh, all those alizarin names. crimson. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a good one. It's just good to say. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's derived from a, a chemical name, and I'm sure that has that that sounds like a pure pigment to me. That has a that right. has a P R for red pigment number. I don't know what it is, but yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I mean, I it's weird because you know I've worked with a lot of different art materials and seen you know all these names, and especially watching a lot of Bob Ross and and growing up. Um, my mom was a an art major like she eventually switched to teaching but she she minored in art and did tons of painting you know we've got pretty pretty cool looking canvases uh at my parents house and so that's something i've always been around but i don't know much about so i'm i'm definitely looking forward to that that's cool yeah well that sounds cool ask your mom about this stuff that's that sounds like a resource right there like, <laughs> that's a good point i could have just asked her yeah you don't have to ask me like just yeah, go home talk to your parents that she's sounds, not gonna make yeah that's another way cool to do YouTube it YouTube video yeah. about it and tell me tell and her happy mother's day while you're at it yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right so yeah i'm trying to think what else oh i guess the only other thing to mention that i don't know if i'll put in the video or not but like my cats both got some phthalo green on them. They, you know, there's, I had these little piles of brightly colored powder yeah. and, you know, taking pictures of them and stuff. And then I like turn around to, you know, get yes. a spoon or something to start moving yes. the pigment around. And then like all of a sudden the cat's face is blue. Like, It's oh. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Did, tell me you got pictures of that, right? <laughs> no, I didn't like. Oh. No, I didn't. I, I like almost didn't want to have a record of it, but you know, here we right. are recording it for podcast forever. But right, yeah, it's somewhere. The safety, the safety concerns are not great. It was a very small quantity, but it is a high staining pigment, and so just Ooh, yeah. a tiny little bit gets a lot of green, and so yeah, you fans of Halo Green will know that. Yeah, awesome. and and Gordon got just a little bit on his left front paw and his left right paw. He's nice. got those white mittens or boots or whatever. Oh, so, oh, yeah, that up. shows up real strong. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's great. But, yeah, earlier today I was getting ready to record the podcast, and I finally, like, you know, put away all my little piles of colored pigments and stuff back in their baggies and sealed it up and, you know, tried to get the color off of the wood table and everything. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mostly got it. Mostly, mostly got, it, got it. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah. It's an art studio. It's supposed to have pigment and paint on everything. You know, if you don't mm-hmm. have paint on your walls and ceiling, you're doing it wrong. You're not hitting that brush hard enough against that little bar. <laughs> Beat the devil out of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know. 
you've been you've been going on any side trips for like like I said for me this was probably should have been painting I don't know a model or something something that, that's my hobby I paint models <laughs> right instead, you're, you're instead I was first. like you know yeah chemist first I was cracking into stupid chemistry software for drawing <laughs> molecules and I was I was on Wikipedia a lot and yeah I don't know time flies yeah when you're having so much fun um yeah, I mean, uh, I I tend to go down rabbit holes like that where, you know, I'm working on a project and I get to a certain point and I say, okay, you know, I, I need to go pick something else up. And then I pass by another project and I say, I need to get some more stuff for this one. And then I just kind of swap between them. Um, nothing, nothing is probably applicable to, you know, making a video. But uh, whatever it is in front of me, I just, I don't know, I hop between projects a lot and then get distracted and end up rushing to finish something, you know, the first thing that I started, whatever that is. So I, I feel you on that, just jumping down the rabbit hole. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes it happens when I discover a new material or something. Yeah. Or actually for, for me, for 3D printing... Sometimes I'll just have a week where I, pretty much all I'm doing is making sure that my my prints are working and getting printers set up and right. washing prints off and curing them and find that I have no time to be painting or anything. It's just <laughs> like, wow, uh, another week's gone by and, you know, I've printed out this nice pile of minis, but huh, where, where did the time go? Exactly. Like all my hobby time was spent babysitting printers. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, the world we live in now. You you don't just go and and get the models, or I mean, some people just do, you know. But otherwise, you're printing out your own models, and that takes time all on mm -hmm. its own. No, I mean, I've I have thoroughly enjoyed the time I've spent printing models, except for it kind of makes your hands sticky and stuff. Uh, right. So resin, I keep yeah. the cats definitely keep the cats away from the resin. Like I'd, I'd rather have them a little bit of non-toxic green than yeah, for sure. Not <laughs> too toxic, but very sticky and smelly resin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and cats get on everything. You'd be, you'd be feeling like little sticky spots on, you'd touch something and your hand would stick to it. <laughs> Just be for years. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, of course, my brain's going through all the problems I'd have if I had cats in the same room as, as printers. And yeah. the way they jump on tables and, like, shake things around, like, just the, oh. the vibration <laughs> of, like, a cat landing on a table, I'm sure would just ruin a print. <laughs> like, you'd, you'd at least get, like, a massive layer line, right. like, right when they did that. <laughs> you'd get know, right you'd to get the eyes. Something would shift. be out of alignment. <laughs> yeah, there'd, there'd just be a shift halfway through the model. Like, yeah. oh. How do we do that? Great. Uh, it's not like you can just melt it down and start over. No, no, you can't. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got one that's bad enough. He loves to rub against the tripod when I'm filming something, right. or especially when I'm going to take like glamour shots. Right. I've got my black background all set up. I've got my tripod. I'm I'm about to hit the button on the the shutter, and the cat's just rubbing against <laughs> one of the three tripod legs. Yeah. Like once. once what are you doing kneeling down here by the by the camera? You wants to hang out? Yeah, they'll, they'll find a way to ruin anything. That's yeah. It seems like uh, cats in general. Like yeah, they don't necessarily mean it. to, but they will ruin everything in the most loving way possible. 
That's fair. Yeah. So what else here? What do you What are you been up to? Enough Enough cats and pigments. What have <laughs> you been up to? Uh, let's see here. Well, I made a I made a fun video last week, and I suppose we'll get to that. Um, I just bought a new dirt bike, so that was pretty great. Pretty excited about that. The injuries to come, you know. <laughs> You're still what was not wrong with your old dirt bike. Um. Well, actually, so I I have. I have dirt bikes out of my parents' house, um, but I really don't feel like driving an hour to go ride for an hour to then drive back an hour. And I've I've mm. been wanting one at my house for a while because there's some you know it's all different places to ride and stuff. So, you know, I finally broke down and and found one and bought one, and I'm hoping to get some pretty good use out of that this summer. But uh, we'll see if there's time. Cause that's really the thing, you know, doing all of the, the painting and the videos and the everything time is, um, harder and harder to come by these days. Sure. So are you saving an update on your, your new studio for later? You yeah, saving I'm... that for next episode? You're going <laughs> to, yeah, don't want to squander that right now. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to throw it all away just yet. You know, it's, I want to kind of milk that for as much as I can. Cause it was a lot of work to, to build and get done. <laughs> um, and of course I'm going to have a, a, a video just showing everything and all the work that went into it, uh, which is pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, I've got a lot of video for it, so I'm pretty excited to get that out there. Um, oh Thanks. yeah. I was also on a podcast, a uh, week and a half ago. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know if you've heard oh, yeah. of it. You know, you might not have heard of it. It's a thing. It's called Life After the Cover Save. I've heard of it. You've heard know, of there's it? a lot of people who haven't heard of Life After the Cover Save. Right, but right. I've heard of it. Okay. I've I've been on it too. So you've been on it? I yeah, I was just on it like last I've, week. I've I've been on it like two or depending on how you count, like four times or yeah. or more. I don't know. Well, that's kind of weird because I mean we did talk about you a lot. Like a lot. Yeah. They didn't even ask me questions. Yeah, so if you want to hear, <laughs> so if you want to hear Casey talking to uh, a couple of strangers uh, about me, go to Life After the Cover Save and, and check out some of their recent episodes. Yeah, I think you'll find it to be a stimulating and interesting conversation, mostly about Brent. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so they were originally, uh, I guess, a Warhammer 40k podcast, and originally, they've been at yeah. it for ten years. And this is actually a kind of an evolution because I don't even know what they're about now, and I'm not really sure uh, when they stopped being about Warhammer 40k. But uh, I mean, as far as I they know, now brand themselves as a 40k. But I haven't been listening for ten years. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So That's we're on episode six. You and I, Casey, are recording mm -hmm. episode six. We're in like year zero, year Pretty one. Much, yeah. Now. yeah. So where where are we going to be in ten years? That is a frightening thought. But everybody <sighs> starts somewhere, and then yeah, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> know if I want to think about that. Let's let's put in a list what we did every two weeks over the last ten years, and then rate how depressing that was. I'm actually looking forward to that. I think that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Take take what we say was the most important thing about the last two weeks 
Yeah. We each have 26 of them in a year and we read them off real fast. So mm-hmm. we get a year in the space of like five minutes. I'm I looking know. forward to that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be a positive experience <laughs> or, or kind of depressing, but we're going to find out. So I'm far, erring I've on the side of board. depressing. Yeah. Just, just to be safe. Yeah. 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 So, so. Right. You know, set your expectations low and then be pleasantly surprised. That's the way to do it. So over the past two weeks, I've gotten black poster board and pigment powders. And I actually ruined several pieces of black poster board with pigment powders. So I'm <laughs> kind of moving in the right direction here, but you know, kind of a step backwards too. So right. it's all right. Are they at least double-sided? Time, you uh, can flip them. Yeah, it's not the situation where like one side is way glossier than the other side or something like that. Right. So you can flip them, but then um, like your wood desk gets colors. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. We're uh, we're all locked into our little quarantines here. This is, I don't know when you're listening to this, but this is when we're recording it. And... You know, I had to order a black poster board. It wasn't a situation mm-hmm. where I was going to go out to the store to buy a piece of black poster board. So yeah. if you're ordering poster board, get the 25 pack. So we're we're good. Don't don't worry, fans. Brent has black poster board for days. He's got pigment powder for days. Good job. And, uh, Casey's doing well over there, too. He's had a couple of good weeks himself. He was on a, a, a joke podcast, if you will, uh, Life After yeah. the Cover Save and... Now we got to mention on another podcast too. We did, which is Trap, which is pretty cool. Yeah, trapped yeah. under plastic. Yeah, I like that podcast. So I do too. Yeah, Scott and John are better painters than us. Mm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Th- they have more YouTube viewers and subscribers than we do, and um, yeah, yeah, they're more organized in their podcast, mm-hmm. but. They come out every other Monday. So if you want a podcast every other Monday, mm-hmm. that's not this Monday. I was about to say life after the cover. <laughs> I don't know when they come out. <laughs> Trapped under plastic. All right. That would have so been good, got, though. Just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks, guys, for the mentions. Uh, thanks for letting Casey and I onto life after the cover save. That's always fun. And uh, let's let's move it along here, Casey. What what else? What what else has been going on in the last few weeks? Um. Well, I mean, I guess I I bring up uh, bring up that video that I made last week. So I had a, I had a really interesting time. Um. Normally, when I make a video, it's it's pretty straightforward. I get the model, I paint the model, and then I show the model. Um. But last week was a little bit different, you know. And it brings up a few other questions, but essentially, um, I started painting and I could have stopped, but then I decided to keep going and then I felt like I ruined it and I got pretty frustrated and then I did it again and then I did it again. Um, and that's not something I normally do. I like, I feel like I'm pretty good at knowing when to stop, but in this case, um, I just really overdid it and eventually ended up making a video about that specifically and not even about the model, which is also kind of a new thing for me and for what I usually do. Um, I just thought that was a really interesting experience. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people have that, that problem where, you know, they, 
they start thinking about it too much or, you know, something ends up happening or you make a mistake or, you know, you didn't plan for something and you end up, you know, at least according to you, ruining the model that you started painting. Um, has that ever happened to you before where you just went off the rails? Sometimes, yes. I've gotten better and better about not completely ruining a model or not letting it get to me, but mm -hmm. um, yes, uh, faces especially, I'd say. Yeah. You know, uh, faces are one of those areas where it's harder to repaint because the detail is so fine, like the, you know, the eye socket and being able to see, like, you know, the shape of the eyelid and the, the corner of the eye and everything. Once you get about two, three coats of paint on there, you're starting to lose that detail. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times when we're talking about painting models, you know, you doing your eBay rescues, half the time you strip it down and half the time you just, like, layer another coat on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the most part, it's paint. You add another layer of paint, it's fine. You can you can repaint it as many times as you want. Yeah. But, um. So there, I guess there's really two issues there. One, if you repaint it enough times, the the paint and the frustration builds up into into something that's not necessarily pretty. Like, <laughs> you know, for me, it's faces and I glob up the face and then the, the wash doesn't do anywhere near as well the third time that you paint the face as it did the first time you paint the face. And then yeah. it gets frustrating. But Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, you know, I ended with saying it is just paint. It's not like you can't take it off like we do it all the time you know we strip paint off and then repaint it in this case i'm probably gonna let it sit and just be a healthy reminder for a little while to uh to slow down you know just take it easy a little bit yeah yeah well i mean you know speaking from the point of making youtube videos a video about frustration and you know arriving at a model that you're happy with and that sort of thing is actually way more transferable and relatable than is I painted this ghost. Right. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, at, at a few very small moments in time while you were painting that ghost, you had a pretty good ghost on your hands, right. um, which is nice. But the, the real lesson was thinking about what happens when you're when you're painting along bravely and things do not work out the way you want and when do you when do you draw a line and just declare victory regardless when do you throw it back in the stripper when do you try to repaint it again when do you just mm -hmm. move on to a different project that's that's a deep topic and it's something we absolutely could spend the rest of the episode on i don't know if we will or not but yeah um i i did want to that that might be something to think about is I've been thinking about this idea that uh, there might be times when painting bravely gets to the point where maybe you're painting a little too bravely. You know, you're, you're going outside the box here, painting outside the lines. And I, I don't think it happens very often, but I think there is a threshold there. And, you know, we might need to explore that at some point. So I only watched this video of yours once, but were you painting bravely or were you painting and and forgive me here badly? It it was badly, absolutely. Um, oh, okay, all right, all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It was stupidly is probably a better way to put it. It's just the lack of painting planning stupidly, and yes. um, 
forcing forcing it rather than just enjoying the process. So, I, and I don't mean to say that, like, I was painting too bravely for this model specifically, but that that idea had crossed my mind as, like, a topic of conversation. Yeah. So, just for the for the listeners at home, this was a, a ghost. And what in particular did you think you were you messed up or what would what in particular was really causing you the stress here? Um, some of it was the color combination. Um, but actually I got a really, really enlightening comment, um, today, in fact, uh, a little bit mm. before we started recording this. Um, and it was specifically that none of the things that I actually painted were done poorly, but that the overall, model isn't cohesive together so like the axe on its own looks good the like cloak on the ghost which is kind of this you know like a shawl that goes over the top of him that's supposed to be like corporeal right it's like in this realm looks fine you know the ghosts and the transitions look fine but you put everything together and because of a lack of planning it just doesn't come together as a single piece so, and I, I mean, that's that's okay. kind of what yep. what it feels like when I look at it, when I hold it and I say, OK, I'm going to critique this model, you know, as if it was someone else's. And that's kind of the way that I, I see it. It's like this isn't the worst thing. It's just none of it goes together. You know, so a lack of planning yeah. and just, you know, going forward and just trying it, you know, didn't work out. So, yeah, definitely planning. Planning is big. Well, I mean, the, the steps that you were taking to try to fix it made sense. Like you were changing the color of one item at a time pretty much, weren't you? Yeah. Like you went back and you changed the axe color and I forget the rest of the video, but you. <laughs> yeah, it was just fixing small mistakes, trying to get the colors to be more cohesive. But even even then, mm -hmm. the textures of the final product are different for each piece. Like the airbrush transitions are really smooth. But then the cloak is really grungy and weird, you know, and that doesn't necessarily yeah. mesh together. Yeah. Yeah. But that does bring up yeah, I um, gotcha. a few different comments that we've gotten lately. I don't know if you, sure. you want to go through some of these. You want to you want to talk about some of these and and yeah, yeah, we'll just go I've got one here. Yeah, and so when we're when we're thinking about what to talk talk about on these episodes, you know, we go through our comments and we grab like a little screen grab of some of the comments that might be good conversation starters and some we actually put kind of in the deep treasure trove of like this is a good episode on its own. Right. So like if we're not responding to your question, it it actually might be because it's a good enough question that like mm -hmm. that we're going to do this justice at some point. But anyway, one of the questions that I grabbed and it was like, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about this, you know, threw it definitely. in. We've got a little Google document going, Google Word doc for like, all right, what are we going to talk about in these episodes? And I grabbed this question. I was like, yeah, this, this question really goes along with what Casey, uh, you know, his experience of, of painting a bad ghost. Mm -hmm. And the question is, um, how do you balance calling something done or good enough or, you know, versus being lazy and not doing your best. Like, you know, when is, when is a paint job finished? How can you call that good? And before we answer this question, I'm going to go off on just a little bit of a tangent here and bit. forgive me listeners. 
So normally, normally we have this policy that we don't read the names of the viewers because somebody's going to mess with us. They're going to put a stupid name on there, mm-hmm. and it's going to be like a little back alley way into getting us to read a stupid name. Right. And you know, the classic example is Meat Popsicle. Mm-hmm. You know, someone mm-hmm. puts a stupid name on there like Meat Popsicle. And this time we were going through our questions and we're like, oh man, this is a really good question. Copy, paste the word doc. And we were just about to hit record today when I actually like carefully read the name of this gentle person who wrote this excellent question for us. What's the name? Do you want to say it or should I? I mean, you seem pretty upset. Let me just take this. Yeah. So his name's Pete. Pete Moxicle. You son of a bitch. So angry. So angry. I see what you did there, Pete. Fool us once, Pete. You yep. know. Shame on you. But yeah, this one this one almost got through. Like it, this one Legitimately. This, this was good. <laughs> Pete Mopsicle. <laughs> Last name Mopsicle. First name Pete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and we were bested in this case. Uh, but we got a great question here. So, <laughs> yeah, we were look. we were at the point of just like getting there, and then and then Brett goes, "Hang on a second, did you, did you hang this? on a second? <laughs> did you?" Yeah, ordinarily we would just have said, you know, we got a question from Pete here, we got a question from PM, and what does what does PM have for us? Uh huh. Every a time, good question. Every time, it's like it's, it's like we have one listener who uh, just has a thousand different Google accounts. I don't know. Yeah, but it is a good question. So let me let me rephrase that to you. Mm. When is a paint job finished? That is, I mean, that is a good question and something that if I had considered last week, probably would have gotten me in a better place. <laughs> um, yeah, like I suppose it depends on. On the goal, right? Are you painting? Are you painting more for display? Are you painting to take pictures and share it? Are you painting for the fun of painting or for a game? Um, I theoretically, a done paint job is when all the base coats are on, and you know you've you've got some shade and some highlights, and you call it a day. You know, it's a clean paint job. Um, obviously, you can you can keep painting. You can always keep painting and there's diminishing returns in that you're, you're eventually going to hit a wall where you're going to say, I don't think I can paint anymore. But then the question comes up, do you want to spend 20 hours painting, you know, a left foot? Probably not. So I think, I think what it comes down to is where are you most comfortable with stopping? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've been thinking about this a lot recently and you know, I, I really do have like a pattern of how long I'm going to spend on a paint job and mm-hmm. it very much is this, you know, two coats of base coat, you know, a wash, a co- maybe a couple different colors of wash depending on the different materials, mm-hmm. then get in there with your smaller brush and do some details and some highlights and for me, it's almost like a feeling, it, you know, so I, I get through yeah. the steps, you do these steps, but that last step of spend as long as you want doing 
details and highlighting mm-hmm. and and there's lots of different ways to paint but there that's kind of the step that has the the most room for going nuts and spending some serious time there yeah you know that's that's the step of you know how long do you want to spend on the details and everything where you can just be like okay I'm I'm done now um but for me partially it's uh, a rhythm and a ritual and partially it's just like a feeling like okay I am tired of it's not it's not a negative feeling but there yeah. there is almost that for me there's like this hard stop of it's not like oh yeah do I want to spend more time on this it's like I just run out of steam almost all at once and it's mm-hmm. like okay this is this is done this I have put as much time as I want to spend on this hey it looks pretty cool I'm ready to move on to the next thing yeah I think I think that almost all paint jobs get to a point where like you get to that highlight stage, the detail stage, and you've put a good amount of work in there. You know, say you say you work on a model for two hours highlighting, you know, which which might be more or less for you. Um, but you get to a certain point where, you know, it, it looks pretty good. And, you know, you hold it back or you set it on a table and you say, okay, this looks like a lot of my other models. I feel good about this. It fits in with everything else. But I, I think what ends up happening is that you start to realize that in order to get to the next, the next say, ten percent better than where you've hit, you're gonna have to spend almost twice the amount of time to get there as you did the first time just to get to that point. So it becomes, you know, this multiplication. You know, hours start to stack up. You know, you look at something and say, okay, well, I spent two hours to get to the next ten percent. I need another two and a half, three hours, and then four hours to get to that 5% and that 2%, you know, to get into the, like this top echelon of ridiculously good paint jobs. So I think there's, there has to be a willingness to also do that. And if that's just not who you are, or that's not the kind of thing that you want to accomplish, then getting to the point where you feel comfortable that it's done and you've done the highlights that you wanted to and spent the time you wanted to, I don't see why that's not a perfect place to stop. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, a lot of this, the biggest answer to this is personal preference. What are you painting the model for? And are you happy with it? Are you ready to move on to the next? That's of course, of course that's, that's the main thing, but there's a lot of like little interesting nooks and crannies to talk about here. Yeah. Um, so here's a question, Casey, mm. do you, always wait until the very end to base the mini um most of the time yes sometimes i don't okay but most of the time i do yeah okay so there's a there's a couple steps for me that really take the model way closer to being done mm-hmm. and for me that is the base you know that includes whether that's dry brushing some texture and then putting the the black rim around the base or, or whatever it is. Yeah. And then it's also the eyes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so there's almost like a little trick I'll play on myself if I'm actually trying to really make a model look good. Sometimes I will purposely delay those two steps, <laughs> the, the eyes and the base. Right. Because, again, for me, once a model is starting to look done, like then – yeah, I, I find myself struggling to put much more time into a model that's starting to look done. Like once a model looks 
pretty cool, done enough. Yeah, I could put this on the shelf and move on to the next thing. For sure. For me, that is kind of a struggle. And so sometimes I do play those. If I would like to take a model to a higher standard, I'll play a little trick on myself and not do the base yet. Mm -hmm. Because and then the model looks like it's still in progress for another hour or so, you know. Right, it's um, you or I'm able to trick myself into more. saying this is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So like, let's say I have a model, I paint the base, I put the eyes on, the base rim is done and everything. And then I'm working on, you know, trying to get a better highlight on the second chink of the big pauldron or, mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, trying to highlight the shoulder or something after that. Like once the model is really looking good, the highlight on the shoulder just becomes so much less important. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> but if the model is obviously not done and the shoulder is just the next thing to do and we're going to get this shoulder mm -hmm. right, then we're going to get the other shoulder, then the knees, and then then maybe we'll talk about putting some eyes on this figure. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, for me, for my personal experience, it's, it's a matter of like just all at once the model feels done. Mm -hmm. I feel it in my bones. I'm ready to put this down and move on to the next thing. And um, I actually experimented with this a little bit in a video a few weeks ago. But hmm. I think for me that's two or three evenings of painting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You painted uh, what you is know, it like one a day? Is that what you were shooting for? Yeah, that was a topic of a video I did a couple weeks ago where I tried speeding up from my normal routine mm -hmm. and as kind of a way to to think about my normal routine a little bit more. Yeah. But I tried doing one figure a night for many nights in a row. And and if you're doing that, you spend a lot of your time doing base coating and washing. Yeah. And then just a couple of quick details after that. Um you know, whereas if you're spending weeks painting a mini you're spending a lot of time. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you're spending your time on. I never do that. And so it's probably right. worth, probably worth the experiment to give that a shot sometime. But yeah, it's the other side. I assume of that, you're right? doing a lot. The spending. Yeah. And insane amount of time on one model, <clears throat> seeing how far that, how far you can push that. That's something I've been, I've been mm -hmm. needing to do, you know, because essentially all I ever do can be really, it can be considered speed painting. You know, I paint a model in a very limited amount of time to get ready for a video, generally. So I am burning through the paints to the point where, you know, sometimes I accidentally wash off other paints with other paints because they're not even dry yet. Um, mm. And that's definitely something that, that probably should be experimented with, is just sitting down, taking time, and seeing how far... Like, how good of a painter are you, Brent? You know? Like, do you actually know? Right. And, right, this is a question I, I don't know right now because I have not real, really spent time on a model, you know? Yeah. Because that's, again, I, we, we all fall into our own little rhythm. And mm -hmm. I'm worried about how how much of a habit that is. You know, mm, I, yeah. I enjoy my habit, and so it's not necessarily a bad thing. But yeah. if you know, if for every model, maybe maybe I'm spending four hours on a model or something like that, mm. and and that's just my rhythm, and 
how how would I get my spell myself to spend 20 hours on that model that I that I feel is pr- looking pretty good after four hours? I think it would be a very revealing experience. But yeah. how, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? I, I, I don't know. Like we, we may never know. That's right. It, it is entirely possible that painters much greater than we have just done that. They just sat there and got to the center of that Tootsie Pop and they're just like, yeah, it's X amount. And then they repeat, you know, paint four models a year. Do you think, do you think if going back to a literal Tootsie Pop, do you think Mm -hmm. if you got the answer to that question that just tons of things in life become simpler? (laughs) Like if you actually had the discipline to count the number of licks to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop, like just do you suddenly become a a more adept painter? (laughs) a better friend and like, I don't know, like, do, do you, does that I discipline, mean, that, that sheer force of will do anything for you in your life? I don't, like, we like may never know. My brain wants to say no, because of course not. But my heart wants to say yes, Brent, like it will do That's those an things. achievement. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that there is a level of achievement for spending a hundred hours on a model and making it look the best you can. It's a really cool thing. But that's a long right. time. Right. Just, <laughs> yeah, getting that benchmark, like being able being able to say, you know, how good of a painter are you? Mm-hmm. This this is the best I could do. Yeah. And I'm and I'm confident that it's the best I could do because right. yeah, I spent a hundred hours on it and I could not think of anything else that I could do or mm-hmm. you know the blends on every piece of that model are as good as I could possibly do. Yeah. And I don't want to touch it anymore because I'm sure I'll screw it up from, from where I have it, you know, <laughs> that's always my fear. <laughs> if I keep going, yeah, is it, there's gonna, it's going to turn a corner, you know? And so far I've never actually had that happen other than just, like I said, lack of planning and, and being a little hasty. Um, but when I'm actually focused and trying, I do hit a point where I feel, okay, if I continue working on this, I might be able to make it better, but I don't want to screw it up at the same time. And I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. And that's generally my stopping point. And, and weirdly, that, that does vary from model to model hours wise. Like sometimes I'll spend 10 hours on a model, you know, and I will continue to work that and continue to push. And then I'll kind of not give up but hit that point where i feel okay i don't want to screw it up i like where it's at sometimes that process is four hours long or even two hours long you know um i think it just depends on the week and and what's going on and there's a lot of outside forces pushing in on that i think you know because who has legitimately a hundred straight hours to dedicate to a model very few people and those few people are, are pretty good painters. So, yeah. um, you know, if, if we came back in a future episode and I said, what did you do over the past two weeks, Casey? And you said, I spent 20 hours on a single miniature and this mini right here that the listeners at home cannot see, but what we'll post somewhere is the best mini that I can do. Yeah. That would be an achievement. Like, right. Um, someday we should start giving ourselves homework or little challenges or or something for these episodes like you know by by next episode 
I don't, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to raise the bar too high here. I'm, I'm, well, I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna try no and push fool, you but... on this podcast to not not necessarily hmm. paint miniatures, but uh, maybe make make videos a little more often, a little quicker. There, is there something I can help you with? Yeah, over the past two weeks, I have published zero videos. <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> and this is a big deal for me because that uh, sense of guilt and uh, <laughs> self-hatred, self-loathing, uh, I think that's really going to fuel me to do great things Absolutely. moving forward. So, yeah. <laughs> that YouTube guilt is powerful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a... Start of a good Vin Diesel movie where he spends the mm. first like third half of the movie just getting really angry, and mm -hmm. then like the last half of the movie is an action scene. But in this case, it would be me getting really depressed for one episode, and then the next episode I will have painted something and made a video mm -hmm. about it. Yeah, it's healthy. something to think about. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that seems healthy. Yeah, as long as I get my content. Mm hmm. <laughs> But no, for for real though, like the yeah. the goal of just taking a model. Well, here's another question. I don't even know which model I would pick for that. Like that you have to question. really love a model. Yeah. Because th this isn't going to be like okay, whatever's next in my list of things I want to paint. This is what I'm going to spend 20 hours on. Like you have to yeah. have an idea and be passionate about that idea and not mm -hmm. just be guessing at what color you're going to make the axe for that ghost. Like you have to mm -hmm. have a, a plan to be able to psych yourself up to really execute that plan. Yeah. Like, well, you know, what's probably worse for me about that is that I thought I had a plan. Like I, I did have a game plan going into that ghost, right? Like I did know what I was going to, what colors I was going to paint it. And I should have realized at a certain point that there was a stopping point. And, you know, I watched that back or, or you know, other people watch that back and, and comment and say, you know, there were a couple times in there that you could have stopped and you would have been totally fine. And I can't mm -hmm. disagree. Like, I look at that and say, yeah, you know, if I had stopped there, I think I would have been pretty happy with that. But, uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't go that way. But. You know, you, you got to practice and learn when those moments come up, you know, because sometimes you just you do it and it's there and that's the paint job and it's time to move on to the next model. Yeah. Yeah. On that one, you definitely needed to move on. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all right. Moving moving on here. Uh, I think we've given Pete Mopsicle like plenty of time. Oh, you Look, I'm I'm angry that he found a way to get back into this podcast, but I thank you for the excellent question. Um, but that's that's quite enough. Hold on, I haven't I haven't read the rest of these names with as much care. Um, that's a good point, and we're not going to. So. <laughs> Absolutely, I just did a quick. Right. I think we have right. a we have another question here from 27s, and the question is. What hobbies do you wish you had more time for? Mm. Um, I wish I had honestly more time to, I don't know, do dirt biking and outdoor sports that were separate from other people. Like, I don't want to say like alone time, but you know, sometimes you just got to get away. 
and uh, mm-hmm. doing something like that, like dirt biking for me specifically, um, you know, even though that's probably a pretty dangerous thing, generally speaking, to go alone, just it's like hiking by yourself and not necessarily telling anyone where you're going. Um, yeah, like I wish I had more time to, to do stuff like that. Climb a mountain. Yeah. Nice, nice. So actually this this morning I, I went for a run, which is not every morning, but maybe once a week. And I'm actually really lucky the last few places I've lived have actually had pretty decent trails going through the woods, hmm. which is, I assume is a luxury, but yeah, the yeah. last have you seen my trail? three places I've lived happen to have had a pretty decent set of trails in the woods, not too far away from the building. And nice. It's, yeah, it's it's nice to go out in nature there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are in this point in history in 2020 where, like, you see someone else on the trail, you stand way to the side <laughs> and, like, stop breathing like for a, a good 30 seconds. But, yeah, like, you treat it like Legit, a bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No eye contact. Uh, Slowly don't back breathe. away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Get a stick. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Throw the stick. Run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, we'll talk about it every time, but it's it's strange things you miss, but it it yeah. does the body a lot of good to get outside for for just a little while. And yeah, probably whether you're with people or not, it's it's nice to go outside. Yeah, I've been getting out a lot more. Ironically, and, and I think a lot of people have. You know, like. Mm-hmm. There's so many people who are just saying, you know, it's like, well, I'd, I'd much rather be inside. I'd much rather be doing what I want to do. No one bothering me. But I think that isolation gets to people. And eventually you just want to take a walk. You know, so you are you are super lucky to have some trails, especially to go through woods and stuff. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I've got some, luckily enough, I guess, in sort of a similar manner. I have, I have good dirt bike trails near my house. But uh, walking oh, trails, awesome. it's they're not great for walking and uh, a little dangerous. Is it because of the dirt bikes? Yeah. <laughs> Is it not good for for walk? Yeah. Well, they're not flat. Uh, they're they're like ridged. They have bumps, lots of bumps. Um, okay. Yeah. So it's it's That's funky trails and uh, yeah. rattlesnakes and you know things like that. Okay, rattlesnakes. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, is it is it you and the dirt bikes making it like a bad place to go walking? Because I've hundred percent. There was there was one uh, there was one, I guess one apartment back. The the trails I used to go on was good most of the time, except for when like the four wheelers <laughs> came blazing through, and I was yeah. just like so angry, like the the peace and isolation of the woods. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of the normal (laughs) thing around here. Like if you're going to go walking on those trails, which people do expect, like we bring our dogs and they go off leash out into the desert and all this stuff. Um, I mean, obviously you have to worry about the wildlife because that's just how it goes in the Mm. desert. Um, but yeah, like you expect to have to stop, stand to the side and, and people are pretty respectful about slowing down, not, you know, creating too much dust because that is an issue. Like, if some douche, mm-hmm. like, flies by you, like, I want to throw a rock at you now. And so does everyone else. That's just how it goes, you know. Um, but most most of the time, people are pretty nice about it. So it is just, I don't know, daily life, I guess. 
Okay. Okay. As long as you got your system. Yeah. yeah. All right. So your your answer was dirt biking. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Alone dirt biking time. Alone outdoor biking. time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I like riding with other people, but uh, not right now. <laughs> not right now. Yeah. So yeah, I, I did have a like a really great little walk slash run today. Um, there's enough paths out there that, and there's enough intersections that it, you actually can get lost for a little while, which is kind of fun. Mm. And so like after a while, it's like, okay, I should probably start walking now. So I don't break my legs before <laughs> I figure out how to get home or whatever. But right. That's yeah. I always like that phase of like figuring out a new set of paths of like figuring, figuring out where all these T's go and mm-hmm. like starting to make one tree that used to look like all the others start to be a landmark. So I figure out like which way to go at this, this Y intersection, you know? But, yeah, yeah. Um, but actually what I was thinking about, what I'd like to spend more time doing is actually, uh, Warhammer total war two. Actually, I've, I've rekindled that, that love recently. Yeah. And I've gotten into all the total. Well, I've gotten into, half of the total war games over the years here Mm -hmm. and the the warhammer version of that game actually is really good uh, especially too it's got it's got like a lot of the units from the old world warhammer fantasy and so it's you know these total war games they're they're a big campaign map where you move the armies around and then when your armies run into each other it, it zooms way in and it's a battle map very much like a game of Warhammer. You've mm-hmm. got your your blocks of units and you position them. The you know, the timer starts and you move your units around and you try to outflank each other and the Saurus go running into the Skaven and it's great. And yeah. I always love it when I can get in, into one of those strategy games, like turn-based strategy games and just get into that phase where like one more turn, one more turn and yeah. It's, it's nice when a passion takes hold. So, yeah, in the last two weeks, I've uh, I've researched pigments and I've played like two days of of Warhammer Two: Total War. So, that's awesome. Not bad. Yeah, not I, bad. I still haven't played that game. You know, I I see it and I see the videos coming from it and all this stuff. It looks awesome and like, yeah, I just it's tough sometimes like to get, especially on the computer, because like the computer for me is like here's this is the work space this is my work time so like jumping in mm-hmm. and, and playing a game on the computer specifically is is very difficult um whereas like consoles are a little bit easier but i still it's kind of the, the same thing um mm. yeah so that's pretty awesome yeah i have to check that out at some point yeah just one of those things that, that really takes hold and and drags you right in that's good yeah, I mean, it's it's also like it's my answer to things you wish you had more time for because I can't be spending all day every day, uh, you know, one more turn and, and uh, you know, right. taking Krokgar around the map and, and conquering things for the, the Slan and the Lizardmen. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could. Lizardman update. There you go. Uh, oh, OK. So we have another question here. Uh, from MWW, mm. are are you both looking forward to the return of the old world? Are you going to keep models on square bases just in case? 
Well, with you playing all that Total War, you know, I, I can <laughs> see it in you. You excited about the old world? Yeah. So I remember the announcement from last November that was everything comes back into style or everything comes back around even squares. And then there's a picture of a square base. And yeah. um, I actually don't remember seeing a lot of updates since then. So we're we're six mm. months later now. Has, has there been any more announcements about um, what the old world project from Games Workshop is? Whatever it they, is, it's supposed to be like a couple years out, out still. It's still like two and yeah. a half years away. Um, they did put something right. out. I don't remember what it was, but there was a small update, I think, recently. Um, but it's a very interesting idea that they would cancel the old world, tell everyone it's dead, move to round bases, and then give us a three-year timeline on how they're bringing back square bases. <laughs> that That's a lot of hype. Yeah. I mean, it, there was a point where I was really upset about them destroying the old world. Yeah. Like you know, uh, three, four years, whatever it was now, they said Warhammer Fantasy is dead, Chaos won, Chaos destroyed the world, and then a bunch of lore that I've never had the time to try to understand happened, and now all the models are back mostly, but it's not the old world, <laughs> and they're on round bases, and that's the big change. Yeah. Um yeah, we're not in the old world now. We're we're in the age of Sigmar. The models are more ridiculous, and they're on round bases. And mm -hmm. models look better on round bases. Yes. There's a very few that like that really look good as a regiment or a phalanx or whatever. Mm -hmm. But most of them look better on round bases. If you have a single model, if you have a single model of anything, it will look better on a round base. Yeah. Just full stop. It it will. Um, and if you have a skirmish unit of anything, they will look better on round bases. But, you know, I mean, you know that I've kept some of, I've kept all my goblins on square bases because they look yeah. awesome and just a big, stupid blob of goblins. And yeah, not that, that goblins would be blob. like, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, they're not, don't think of them as doing rank and file. Just think of, you know, a. 20 millimeter square base you can fit a lot more of them in the same foot by foot region than if you're using 25 millimeter rounds like it's very true um, yeah you can really really pack those in there they don't elbow their neighbors the way some models do so yeah. when i so did you ever play warhammer fantasy casey because i did um no i i never did um, okay yeah, like I, I started in 40K and then the people who were playing at the time, they didn't like fantasy. They thought it was stupid. Um, who knows why? I don't know. Something to get into a, for another time, probably. Um, but yeah, never, never got into it. I did buy at a thrift store in San Francisco once. <laughs> um, I uh -huh. found an old Warhammer uh, strategy game for PC. And, like, the, the art looked insane. It had this, like, black orc on the front of it, and it came with a black orc on a square. And I had that dude mm. forever. Uh, I eventually was cut that his the, arm off. Was that the axe it. in the air? Axe yeah, in the yeah. air, sword, mid-level? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I yeah get, those, those came in right? boxes of six, and I had, yeah. Mm -hmm. had two boxes of six and the command squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it black came orc's good. That. Good, good to work. And I, I brought the game home. And put it in mm -hmm. and like immediately was so disappointed. <laughs> it 
It was this stupid looking, like, literally blocks of color. I mean, it was basically like pixels, fighting pixels, and they were calling it units of something. Yeah. Um, So it it looks like the old battle reports. Like in White Dwarf, they used to have the, the blocks labeled... Or, or I guess it looks like any old military history thing where the, you know, regiments moving around the, the battlefield. But yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know, White Dwarf used to have the, you know, the rectangles and the big, you know, flanking arcs and stuff for the the pivots and the wheels. And, and you know, in the in the nice big yellow block, it would say the, the Moon Clan, like right. Judas or, or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was essentially like yeah. that. It was real bad. Uh, so that was my experience with Warhammer Fantasy, though. <laughs> like, I was super excited about it, and then I wasn't. <laughs> uh, but I did mm-hmm. keep that model, and I ended up putting the arm of that black orc. I cut it off, and I used it as a basing bit on one of my Eldar. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah that, that, was, uh, that was my extent of, you know, using anything fantasy. It was a, a, a right arm with a sword in it. <laughs> Okay, so I guess let me tell you my experience with uh, with squares then and fantasy. Yeah, I think I think that the big blocks and the armies as a whole can look awesome in squares. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense for goblins to be in regiments, but like just the look of like uh, the spears unit one, spears unit two, bow unit one, like that regiments look cool you'd have to find an army where that made more sense like if you wanted to get in like if empire looked cool you know Mm -hmm. or if you thought empire looked cool and you had those big blocks that for dwarves it actually looks awesome Mm -hmm. if you get because because dwarves would form ranks and they'd they'd have their squares and you know their squares would be positioned just downhill from where their cannons were and everything and um that I think that's really cool. Like the just the look of the the two battlefields standing across from each other, you know, especially on the first few turns when they're just kind of marching towards each other and yeah. lobbing rocks at each other and stuff. And so aesthetically, you know, I think some days I could really get in the mood for setting up a game of Warhammer Fantasy or or the old world or Mm-hmm. We're we're not even sure what this game is. We are not sure true. if it is. We are not sure, right? Or <laughs> I mean, neither of us uh, read the most recent news announcement. But yeah. from where we're sitting right now, we don't know if it's actually the same like scale game. We don't know if it's just okay. We'll rewrite the rules for Warhammer Fantasy, and if you still have anything on a square base, you can use it. But yeah, um, just kind of talking of my memories of of old Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah, like, and 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 how dense you could get good paint jobs. Like, if you paint twenty dwarves yeah. really nicely and stack them up all nice and you know next to each other, that's like four inches by five inches. Mm-hmm. Actually, they might even yeah they're on smaller bases, so it's it's like less than that. You know, yeah, three and a half inches by four inches or something. It's like a really tightly packed. You spent so many hours painting those dwarves, and they, and they take up the you like know no the, the tiniest amount of space on the board. And yeah. I, I don't know. There's there's something to that of like yeah, putting putting so much quality into such a <laughs> dense little packet, and then having 
you know, you got your warriors next to your thunderers, next to your iron breakers, next to your long beards. Like there's a real aesthetic appeal there for me that mm-hmm. I, I would love to, regardless of whether this is ever a game or not, I would love to some someday paint up those dwarves. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. It, it's also a game like because that's the way it looks cool. It is also a game with such high model counts. Like oh, you're, yeah. if you if your unit that is behaving as a rectangle, as behaving as a pixel, is <laughs> twenty dwarves that you need to paint. That that's a steep entry point right there. Yeah, and I have a feeling that's some of the reasons why they eventually discontinued it. Right is. The entry mm-hmm. point into Warhammer Fantasy at the time was probably double or triple that of a 40k army. Like you yeah. need so many guys. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there's there's a limit, you know, to like what people will and won't do, or how many people will and won't do something. You know, an Age of Sigmar came out and they're like, no points, no rules, like. Here's yeah. your box of dudes. Here's your box of dudes. And you can have a legit fun time with a small model count, you know? Um, right. It's, it's almost more surprising that they didn't just do 8th edition, rewrite the rules to accommodate. But I I wonder if it just would have pissed people off either way. So they're just like, Age of Sigmar it is, whatever. Yeah, the... It, it would have made people angry either way. But the, the longer I've gotten from it, the more... I appreciate like they needed to do this. Mm -hmm. Like Warhammer fantasy was not making them money. No, it wasn't at all. And it, it needed the company needed for them to kill that game and make a good game in its play or make a game that people were excited about willing to buy into that would attract new players. Like they needed to, I don't know if they needed to kill Warhammer fantasy, but they needed to invent age of Sigmar for sure. Yeah. And yeah, like I the at first I was like, wow, that's stupid. And, you know, this was a time period where every decision from GW was stupid. Yeah. Like, every, like everything <laughs> was from from a you know customer relations perspective, like, oh, like they used to get 20 guardsmen in a box for twenty dollars. But now it's 10 in a box for thirty dollars. Like, mm-hmm. ah, good work, guys. Like, right. um, how nice. <laughs> That's why uh, nobody can play shrewd business <laughs> you're you're running there yeah you're, yeah you're gonna get a lot of 12 year olds to buy into the game at that rate good good thinking way to grow your customer base that's uh now you're thinking yeah and i mean props to to games workshop for essentially turning that around with all of the hate in their face and succeeding right out of that. right and yeah they made they made a bold power move there yeah. and said uh chaos won uh, I know you guys have been wanting the story to move forward and uh, Chaos won. Uh, it's all gone. It's uh, I guess you can use your old models, but it's going to look a lot better if you put them on round bases. Mm-hmm. And uh, and these are Sigmarines. Enjoy. Yeah. Um, so I, I understand why <laughs> um, these Space Marines without any guns, but with more hammers, they're... Yeah. Um, it's a warhammer, like right? a hammer. It's a warhammer. You yeah. get it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, think about it. Yeah, think yeah. about it, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and at the time, like, 
I actually wasn't in Warhammer at the time that happened. I heard mm-hmm. I heard about it and started getting back into Warhammer, you know, six months or a year after yeah. after the old world died. And at that point, you know, the, the friend who was getting me back in was it was Warhammer 40k. And so I, I hadn't been thinking about, wasn't concerned about fantasy. Mm-hmm. But he was telling me what was happening there. I'm like, oh man. G- GW doing those GW things again. Like, <laughs> yeah. Making of, of course, like, but like I said, over time I've come to appreciate it. Like mm-hmm. models look better on round bases. I am glad that you can get into the game with a couple of boxes instead of yes. like a couple of boxes equals one rectangle. And the game's not going to be much fun if you only have one rectangle, right. you know, I take um, my rectangle and pivot to 20 degrees. And yeah, forward. <laughs> And I, I respect that people can have different opinions on whether moving rectangles across the board is fun. Um, yeah. I actually, I kind of like, I kind of like moving rectangles across the board, but if there is any terrain on the board, it doesn't work. Like if oh, there's right. any terrain on the board, you need to be very good at knowing how to reform your rectangle. And if you reform your rectangle to get around some terrain, well, then it doesn't fit on the movement tray that you have. You know, like yeah. if you had a movement tray that was, you know, four by five and you need to get around a tree and you spend half your turn, you know, forming into a double file uh, marching column mm-hmm. to get around that tree. Well, I hope you have a different size movement tray in your, you know, backpack and you're willing to move all your little dwarfs onto that. And and then after you pass the tree, you got to reform again and something yeah. else is going to need to wheel out of the way and. And I can. I mean, see if that. you just play it, yeah, yeah. If you play it without terrain, um, or just like some houses on the sides or something, they give a little bit of flavor. Like again, I think it looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I I kind of like the 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 rectangles marching at each other and the you know yelling at each other you know on turns one, two, and three, and then they meet, and then. Um, but again, every, every game I ever played is just like, yeah, a couple turns of marching at each other where the interesting thing is chucking a few rocks or firing a few cannons Mm -hmm. and then everything just meets in a line and then you roll dices and remove things, which I guess isn't that much different than a lot of other games. But I mean, when you think about Age of Sigmar in a nutshell, right? Like yeah, I I feel you can move around trees. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I feel like it's, it's a little (laughs) bit more. Um, entertaining to see. Um, mm. you know, having the ability to move around and through and over. Um, I don't know if you've played Warcry, but that has that kind of like motion to it, that movement that's very exciting. Um, mm-hmm. and and I know that they were trying to just move away from this idea that, yeah, well, terrain on the table makes the game kind of not great. You know, like I got to spend all this time to do all these things. And I mean, obviously, there are yeah. plenty of people out there that like that's why they're playing that game. They want the. And there's a lot of strategic choices. Yes, exactly. there. Yeah, there's there's a lot to think about. And like I can I can appreciate how someone would have yeah. it makes the movement phase, you know, have more interesting choices to it. And right. I can appreciate why someone, you know, someone who thinks of really, you know, being a general or whatever is like, yes, right, like, right. Uh, if I get into the, my marching pattern now and then do a wheel and then reform, I'll be in the perfect place to, to attack the orcs or, you know, whatever. But I wonder though, if it will be the same, I don't think it will be. 
I think it's going to be here movement trays, here square bases. It's basically Age of Sigmar in the old world with some rules to kind of compensate. I don't think it's yeah. going to be the exact same thing. Well, of course, I've heard rumors that it's not even the same scale. Like it's more like an um, epic scale. War Master. Yeah, yeah. epic yeah. or War Master or whatever. Yeah. That that's interesting because I think that would piss people off even more. Like you want to announce well, the square have, bases in the old world are coming back, and then you go, yes, but they are one tenth the size. Don't you enjoy these? Like you serious? Like I transferred my models back to square bases, dickheads. <laughs> like okay, if that's you gonna happen, <laughs> if you transfer your models back to square bases before you know what scale the game is, that's on you. Like I oh for sure. And if you've yeah. already done this, I'm, I, yeah, that's I on bad. you. That's on you. But even then, um, like but, that would be a dick. But move. yeah, the question was, the question was like, are we, uh, are we saving models on square bases? Like, are we, so I, I actually do have some and you know, the video I made a little over a year ago now, the, the goblins batch painting video, yeah. I purposely had those on square bases cause I thought they'd look awesome together, but so many other models elbow each other mm -hmm. like back when i played orcs and goblins the goblins half of that mostly fit onto their base and stood nice and neatly together mm -hmm. but the orcs the orcs were a nice kit in that you know it was a set of legs a torso two arms and so you know i had more posability there and a head but you had to pose them exactly right so that you could make a rectangle out of the models you ended right, up with right because so many of the poses that you could make would just have the them, you know, bumping into each other. Or you had to know, like, this orc can be in the middle. This orc can only be on the left side of the square. This one can only be on the right side of the square just because of, like, um, other, you know, it's like a puzzle. Like, like yeah. making that block would be like a puzzle. Otherwise, you would not be able to put them base to base. And That sounds so frustrating. <laughs> it was. And, you know, it that limits the creativity of the sculptors. Like yeah. one of the requirements of the sculptors is that if you make 20 of these, some of them will be able to be on the inside of the square. And for, for age of Sigmar, that is clearly not a consideration. Not like, even a little bit. Yeah. Um, with the, yeah. With the jumping and the leaping and the, yeah. Yeah. They can put the arms in any position. Um, I honestly, I love the movement that, the new models have and a majority of them yeah you know, obviously there are some interesting ones from time to time but yeah the the aesthetic and motion about the new models and i mean obviously the technology that they're using now to get the models to look the way they do is even better and there's no yeah. way that they would have been able to do that if the old world was still here right well here's the thing like if if the old world is like the same scale back on square bases, yeah. you know, go make a regiment. I don't mm -hmm. think you could put model modern models into those regiments. They would elbow each other. There would be uh, there would be swords that would go, you know, yeah. <clears throat> be touching two models away. Like you, you would not be able to make that jigsaw puzzle go together unless the, the square bases were gigantic. I don't know. Then who is this game for? 
<laughs> I don't know. I, so, I mean, of course, there's been a lot of speculation and a lot of questions about this game. And especially since neither of us have read any news updates since the like picture of a square base six months yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think there actually have been a ton of news updates since then. We, I don't think so. Uh, we are not qualified to answer this. That's true. Um, they could have me, already I'm, explained all this. And <laughs> Yeah, for, for me, I'm going to sit tight and wait. Um, I, I will say that I am not going to be taking, um, (laughs) any of my painted orcs from the year 2000 off of their square bases. Eh, maybe it was 2002. Anyway, Mm. I am not going to be taking any of my orcs or my, you know, oldest goblins off of their square bases and, and putting them on rounds. And so to the answer to that question, um, no, I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to be rebasing to rounds or, or yes, I am going to be saving the square based models that I already have, but partially that's just nostalgia. And those were my models from back in the early days. Right. I'm not, not doing anything to them. I'm keeping them the way they are. And as you should, that's the way it goes. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm not, uh, I mean, I actually have a good amount of models on square bases that I've just gotten. You know, like a majority of the, the models that I paint are single models. So if I have a whole squad of something, then, you know, I'll pop one of them off the square base. I've got a bunch of slotted round bases and swap that out and no big mm-hmm. deal. Um, like all of my goblins, I put on rounds. And it's funny that you say, like, you know, the goblins look so good in, in squares and like they do. But I just remember after I got them off the squares and put them on rounds, I was thinking to myself, man, these look so much better on rounds. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed the way that they looked. Like That's that's actually squad. the only model I disagree. They're just, they're so small for a 25 millimeter base. Really or, or maybe are. it's just I'm used to looking at them the other way. Yeah, that base is so big compared to the model on those, yeah. on those night goblins, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Square bases have their place. I think they have mm-hmm. more more cons than pros. But man, yeah. those old white dwarf magazines where you had the yeah the blocks of dwarves moving towards the blocks of goblins like there was there is something awesome about that aesthetic. And yeah. I don't know how much time I'd ever be willing to spend to try to recreate that, but it it looked cool. And then of course <laughs> you you still have like your big heroes. Then were on square bases or your and sometimes like a big hero would be on a really small square base and would not fit in there. Oh um, man. Yeah. I think actually, yeah, here's, here's the thing. Like, I think they actually had rules where you could use like a black orc, big boss as, um, like an independent character, but a, no, not an independent character, like a, a character leading a unit of goblins. So you could have like a mm-hmm. big black orc, leading a unit of goblins and the black orcs like barely fit onto their 25 millimeter squares the goblins are all on 20 millimeter squares so like geometrically if you want that black orc to be leading those goblins you've got to find a way to cram him on a 20 millimeter square base i mean I, i could be misremembering some of this but there was there was a lot of stuff like especially especially command uh units where yeah, the, your your lead orc is going to be a bigger model. Yeah, and even on, even on a twenty five millimeter base, he's going to be like spilling over his base, 
like the front line of your unit is already going to be screwed up by this giant orc with his axe hanging halfway over the standard bearer's base and like right again a puzzle just to make those units well, Man, my, there were there were some bad things about the bad old days, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people take the the bad with a lot of good that they remember and you know, I mean, and yeah. I'm sure it was fun for a long time and hopefully, well, honestly, those hopefully, were also the days the of same. Yeah, those were the days of blister packs too. And so oh, yeah. so you would buy a blister pack that had two models in it. Like I remember you know, I was orcs and goblins, and so I bought a blister pack of biggins, which mm. just means it's like the slightly more elite orc, yeah. which actually was a smaller model than the regular plastic orcs, but the, the biggins, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, as a as a child, you know, I, I think I had, you know, two lawns that I was mowing, and I saved my money, and I'd go to the store, and I bought a pack of biggins. And then in the codex, it's like, yeah, you, you want to use... Uh, you know, a square of 20 of these, but 40 would be better. You're right. like, oh, my God. Like this, <laughs> this, this pack of two models costs $7 or oh. whatever it was. And uh, at, at least now the, you know, if you're buying a unit, normally the box has at least five. And, and normally least, like, yes. normally the box is the minimum sized unit. Yeah, I think they've been a lot better so, about that. Although yeah. there are some <laughs> that that people still get upset about. Um, because like the minimums are like one off for weird reasons. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, this this particular box, it's not necessarily for buying this unit. It's like a, a you know, quick build, whatever, whatever. So it's got this many in it. And it's like, OK, but now mm-hmm. they're uneven numbers. Like you think somebody yeah, people would were really math. upset about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The first box, the first box, the starter box for. Yeah, first edition Age of Sigmar. That the a lot of the Sigmarine units were like that. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh! I just Ooh. remembered one more like actually cool thing. I was, I was complaining about like trying to fit big units onto small bases. Yeah. But I remember the the lizard men actually had one really cool thing. I think like the Skaven did too. But you a, a Croxagore like a like a really big lizard. Yeah would go on a 40 millimeter square and fit right in with the skinks on their 20 millimeter squares. Yeah, that does look pretty rad. And and so that was that was like a good way of handling it. But um, so many of the things in that game were, you know, 20 millimeter squares and 25 millimeter squares, which mm-hmm. do not jive together. No. Like you like <laughs> could you could not put a Saurus leading a unit of skinks, but you could have a you could have a big crocs of gore with, you know, four times the area base leading a leading a unit of skinks or yeah or being incorporated or put a rat ogre in with your skaven slaves or whatever um it's an interesting way to control kind of the meta of the game too like on a on a whole other sub level of design that Mm -hmm. you know okay all of these units go on this specific size base and they can only be paired with one of these on this specific size base so you know you're limiting what people can actually put into a tray. I think that's an interesting mm-hmm. kind of a, a, a game design mechanic, I guess that. Uh, yeah. And of course it yeah. had, you know, other effects when, you know, a line of troops was meeting a line of troops. Like you can fit more goblins in the same frontage than you could fit orcs. And yeah, so you'd get more attacks from those tiny mm-hmm. little spears. Yeah. Um, 
there there were definitely some interesting fallouts. I mean, you know, even now with the with the circle bases, there's still some advantage to having smaller bases. There, you, there you, is, you can yeah. pack things in more tight. Um, yeah. In fact, the rule is or, that or you of course can't now with have a, a base that's smaller than the recommended one, but you can have one that's larger. You're fine there. Yeah. So recently in 40k, like orcs with a K moved to 32 millimeter bases. I think right. I think I think a lot of the the units like that, did. Yeah. like 25 mil. I'm pretty sure it's just dead. Um, oh, Imperial Guard, Eldars. Like, yeah, but even then, those don't even fit on 25 millimeter bases. Like the feet fall off the sides. <laughs> I don't know I heard that somewhere. I don't know if it's true, but um, for, I know for, a lot of the units are being changed over. Hmm. I think yeah, a lot of them have, and a big one was orcs was interesting, I guess, because it, it, they're really all about close combat and getting like a ton of orcs with their choppas into close combat. And yeah. when you start making that base bigger, it's actually way harder to get as many orcs in the same you For know, sure. area. Um, I mean, unless you're attacking uh, something anyway, with a, we, a bigger base than there was before. I mean, I think the the whole Primaris thing yeah. is is introduced an issue, but yeah, that's probably a topic for another podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll save that one for another day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So why don't we just answer the question? Are you excited for the old world to come back? I am interested. I am intrigued. Mm. Um, always interested to see a new product and see what they do with it. Like I've I've got plenty of stuff to paint in the meantime, but yeah, I'm I am curious to see what they do and. So, so I'll say this, like if, if I am able to detach myself a little bit, I always love a good, um, public relations failure. Like, Mm -hmm. like, uh, I especially like BlizzCon is something I watch with great delight Mm -hmm. every year to like, see what they're going to mess up. Like if, if a new PlayStation is released, Oh, I'll watch that stream. Absolutely. Like to see if it's, if it's a terrible public relations failure, like. Right. Um, yeah. No. I, no. I love. And and right now with our position having a, a podcast and having our YouTube channels, like we really can't uh, be divorced enough from this to really enjoy if if uh, if it's a disaster. But it's a good so point. <laughs> so we'll we'll get we'll get slightly roped in. So so I guess this is not a case where I really really am rooting for a disaster, but. This is a situation yeah. where I am not too invested in in actually playing this game. I mean, if it's if it's cool and and I end up being interested in it, hey, that that would be cool. But I'm not I am not excited to the point where I will be disappointed if it's not cool. Uh, right. Where I'm sitting right now, like um, no expectations, and so only way to go is up. So yeah, I think that's a good healthy but, place to be is not not to have. Yeah. too high of expectations because and you make you make several good points like we don't know what the scale is going to be if it seriously yeah. is an epic scale game then okay that's that's one thing you know but if it's that's that's interesting that's yeah. in some ways that's more interesting but i mean if you want to talk about what public if it's, relations disasters, what if it's a mobile game what if it's a mobile game <laughs> <laughs> like really I, I enjoyed that so much yeah blizzcon when they're talking oh, about no. all right our big announcement of blizzcon our big announcement diablo. for the world of diablo 
cell phone game. Was I the only one that was actually kind of excited about that? I feel like I'm like you're excited about that. I love Diablo. Having it on my phone sounded great. Like, so what? It's not Diablo Four. Big deal. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. No, my my phone battery just is not up to playing like decent games. Like, sure. My my phone can play games for. 15 20 minutes like it's uh, other than that i'm I'm like plugged in yeah 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 it gets it gets super hot and the battery lasts not very long certainly way less than an hour if i'm if i'm actually trying to play a game yeah there's some decent cell phone games out there but sure if if my phone's going to get super hot and like be kind of sluggish and need to be plugged in i'd prefer to have diablo on my computer yeah oh very (laughs) very true totally understandable yeah um, yeah, yeah. I I've purchased Diablo three on legitimately every system, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I've nice, I put a lot nice. of hours into Diablo three, and so the idea of having it on my phone just sounded nice. And I was like, whatever, it seems fine. And I moved on with my life. Okay. And I I have to imagine that the old world Warhammer coming back will be very similar for me. I'm gonna look at it and go, oh, that sounds cool. And move on with my life. <laughs> yeah. Get those microtransactions for the wedge formation Ooh. for your knights. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah. Oh, I I think that would that would mark the end of Games Workshop as we know it. <laughs> like straight up mobile game with micro microtransactions. Like we're done. <laughs> yeah. When. When you can disappoint your fan base to the point where they get angry enough to make just some really fun memes for the rest of the world, then yeah, that's yeah. Hey, yeah, look at the silver lining the on these of things. Warhammer Fantasy players twice just as hard. <laughs> <laughs> that seems so cruel. Uh, look, oh, I've, I'm, I'm saving the models that I still have on Square bases. Uh, Every once in a while, if I have a model like I can never paint it or whatever, I'll take them off the square base and put them on round and actually get around to painting them. But yeah, we'll we'll see. For for now, I'm I'm relaxed about the whole situation. We're gonna we're gonna sit back. If if some people sure. end up being outraged, I I will find a way to at least privately enjoy it. You know, right right now, two two years uh, before that happens, I'm telling you that in the future I will privately in, enjoy. Uh, a public relations disaster or a complete failure, but uh, hey, yeah, yeah, it yeah. could be cool. Could be cool. Yeah. Could, I mean, got no skin in this game. It's all right, right? <laughs> Two years is a long time to wait, too. So I'm sure there'll be lots more information. And we'll it actually it was really interesting. Yeah, how early they announced it? That's a weird thing to do. Yeah, is. I wonder if it was like a situation where they had actually like accidentally leaked a little bit of something and they and they needed to get ahead of it or or if they wanted to make a yeah you because know, they've been doing a really good job of like their teasers and stuff and like yeah you know, talking about upcoming releases and maybe they just felt they were like pretty light on one thing and they wanted to beef it up or yeah like they're like oh we need we need one more announcement today like what about the old world? Not yet. Not yet. Right. We don't have anything else. The old world. Like, <sighs> it's it's a very good question. I, I do wonder because it, it does feel like there was a leak and something happened. Because why on earth would you actually do that? I, I don't think that there was any good reason to actually do that because they've been so good well, about the other ones. 
you know? Well, I guess we're like disproving ourselves right now because like we just spent 10 minutes talking about like hyping it up. We're giving them free media here. So <laughs> that's, a, that's no, an extremely good doing. point. And on that <laughs> note, thank you for joining us in another podcast episode of Paint Bravely. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us out by leaving us a review on iTunes, subscribing to the YouTube channel and sharing this message with your hobby friends. As always, we appreciate you for listening and we will talk to you next time. We appreciate you. Pete Mopsicle. Pete Mopsicle. We appreciate you, Pete Mopsicle. Don't don't ever talk to us again. <laughs>